Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Where are we? So we're in Beausoleil, just, uh, just outside Monaco, just down the road from Nice. Nice sunny day. Well, to be fair, it's like this a lot of the time, really. But uh, Oh, we're just at the team house as well, so... It's our little base. There's a load of us based down here, so this is where we meet every 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 day for training, and uh, we've got we've got a whole support structure down here. And who are you? I'm Chris Froome. I'm Garen Thomas. Who are you? Matt Barbet. Huh? You knew that already, of course. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Before we begin properly, this episode was recorded back in May just outside Monaco and just before the Criterium de Dauphiné race where Chris Froome suffered an awful crash. The injuries that Chris suffered meant that he wouldn't be able to compete in the 2019 Tour de France. Chris, Geraint and I still talk about many other things as you'll hear, but I wanted to put into context just a few of the questions and answers that were relevant at the time of recording but aren't quite as relevant now. I hope you do still enjoy this episode of Home Roads and I'd like to wish Chris the very best for his recovery. Thanks a lot. Right, let's get pedalling. You brought your own bike. I am on... Who's, actually, whose bike am I on? Diego Rosa. Diego Rosa. I'm, I think I'm... Time trial bike. I think I'm probably a little bit bigger than him, but it'll do for the time being. Let me just get in an easier gear as well. This is... It's going to be slightly embarrassing if I'm huffing and puffing and sweating away. <laughs> Gee, I want to start by asking about living in this part of the world. You live in Monaco. Mm. How long has Monaco been home for? Uh, six and a half years now. It's, um, it's flown by. Um, I came here in 2011. Um, and I've just felt that since then my career has just gone from strength to strength. I mean, every day when you're, when you're riding these, this area and all these climbs, it's just... It, it, it's got a way of um, just building up in your legs, I guess. Just there's there's almost no flat roads around here, so you are just climbing, going up or down all day, every day. And um, I think it's got an amazing effect. Um, everyone I've spoken to who comes here just says it says the same thing. It's just it takes their cycling to to an, a new level. Yeah. Why did you move here in particular? Um, I was living down in in Italy before. Um, but the team was setting up a, a base here, um, and it, it made sense to be close to close to the team. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that if I hadn't have moved 
down here when I did, I definitely wouldn't have won the tour last year. It's just so good for training, you know, the, the roads, the weather, obviously. Um, I just, you can't win the tour living in Wales, basically. You need those climbs, like, daily, and um, just the people you're training with as well. Like, when I first moved out, training on a daily basis with Froomey and Richie Port, who, well, they still are, but at the time, they were, like, the, the best climbers around. And, um, yeah, that just pushes you every day and sort of, like, drags you out, and you're always sort of trying to improve and, and you know, to become as good as them, basically. So, uh, yeah, I think those three factors make it an amazing place and, and the support we have as well like I said with being here at the team house there's always a car team car following for training and for efforts and all that type of stuff so uh, yeah it's perfect Who do you ride out with when you tend to go for rides that aren't on your own because a lot of people who aren't hugely familiar with pro cycling think you probably stay in your teams all the time but you don't you do, you do sort of socialise with riders from other teams that you've perhaps raced alongside before like Richie Port for example Yeah so in general the, you kind of have you work in three day blocks so you have an efforts day a long general another efforts day and then a, an easy day and the general ride where you just sort of like yeah ride your bike for six hours or whatever you can go out I've done a few rides with Richie recently um, Valgaran Caleb Ewan Renshaw a few of those guys so but all um, types of riders sprinters yeah. as well yeah 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 just for the social elements yeah and it's just um, like I say when you're going out and you're just, just riding your bike it's nice to just yeah, see some other people as well, you know, you're with the team so much. Um, saying that, I still go out with Wilds quite a lot and things as well, and Luke. But, um, yeah, it's good to, to mix it up a bit. I mean, it's, it's nice to know that there are other pros around, and it's always nice for company sometimes, especially on sort of longer, easier days. But I do do a lot of training on my own as well. Yeah. Was it a bit of a shock to the system moving to France? Did you, have you picked up the lingo? in your time here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd been learning French from schoolboy days. And, yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't completely foreign to me. And actually, we were right on the border of Italy as well. So speaking Italian, um, you, can, you can get by in Italian as well. So um, it wasn't really a big issue for me coming here. And obviously, having Italian and French made it made it a lot easier. Well, you mentioned growing up there as a, as a schoolboy and you know everyone knows that you grew up in Africa. Yeah. Does that still feel like home when you go back there? Do you, and do you go back much? I, I, I don't go back that often, no. to be honest. Um, and it's, it's been a while since, uh, since I've been to Kenya where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, good, good five, six years. Um, obviously, with the, the family now, it, it gets two little kids. It gets harder moving around. And traveling long distance, but um, yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, this is this is feeling more like home. Is it uh, at the moment? I mean, I've been here almost ten years now, um, and yeah, it's uh, Africa certainly does feel like it's getting further and further away. Does it really? It feels it like does. a long way away. Yeah, now. it does. And what's it like actually living in Monaco? Does it ever feel a little bit claustrophobic because it's a pretty small place? It is small, but um, I grew up in like kind of close to the centre of Cardiff as well. It doesn't really feel, well, it is quite a bit different. But, <laughs> you know, I kind of treat it like, well, how I lived in Cardiff, really. I don't really go out for food that much or definitely not out drinking. So it's, um, whenever I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. So I'm kind of like, you know, you do your training, you go home, you, 
have your lunch and then you're on the sofa really and we've got British TV and so that's the main thing but um, what we've been watching recently Line of Duty of yeah, course of course yeah. who hasn't Game um, of Thrones you into Game of Thrones I am but I kind of stopped around series 4 5 I think so I need to catch up you but, miss uh, all the good stuff yeah but um, <laughs> so yeah that's about it then really so then when I go back to Cardiff then more in the off season and Christmas time that's when you can well enjoy the the other side of life really what about training in other places because I know last winter the winter before before you won the tour as well you went training in California that must have sort of yeah. changed things up a little bit yeah definitely like I was kind of stumbled upon it in a way really like I didn't want to ride I'd ridden the tour down under for about six years and I wanted to do something a bit different and I like to get away and uh it's nice being away from Europe because you're kind of a different time zone you're in your own little world almost and um, I spoke to a few guys and LA seemed to be a decent option so I thought oh, give it a go and the uh, first time I went was the start of 2017 yeah and then it worked really well and it's perfect for January you know as climbs are long enough to do your efforts that time of year there's a good bit of flat as well for some time trial bike stuff so um yeah, it worked well. So I went back last year again, and uh, I'll probably go next year again as well now. Yeah, and I guess there as well, it's not like the place is full of pros. They probably don't give you a second look. You know, if you're riding along, yeah. they see George Clooney driving the other way in a minute, aren't they? Or <laughs> someone else slightly more famous, so you don't get the hassle. Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, it's actually pretty bit, uh, quiet. Like, once you're um, in the hills and stuff and out, out the back, because uh, obviously you stay right on the edge of town I'm not like in the middle of LA or anything no. so you're straight out and you're the roads are actually quite quiet there's a few busier roads but um, yeah it's pretty easy to avoid them so it's uh, ideal and do you enjoy the travelling both with the training and with the racing or does it take its toll yeah the travelling is the the worst bit so it can be just quite tiring you know because I'm never in one place more than two weeks you mm. know I think well, LA was the place that it was for the longest period of time, really, in the whole year. So, um, and that's like three, four weeks. So, um, it's just a time away from, like, my wife and fa- friends and family as well, yeah. which is the hardest bit. Um, and then the travelling, but it's nice, though. It's, a, it's not a bad life when you get to race all over Europe, and, well, all over the world. We see a lot, even though... A lot of the time it is just the race in hotels. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't complain. Favourite places? Apart from uh, Cardiff? <laughs> I really like Australia. Um, it's kind of like the UK, but sunny. <laughs> similar to, to LA, really. There's so much going on. Um, but Italy's really nice as well. There's always like, you know, small little road that kind of goes off and a steep little thing or a twisty descent and... There's a lot going on and spent a bit of time in Tuscany with the academy and really enjoyed that time. So, yeah, Italy's good. Do you miss Cardiff? Do you miss Wales at all? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I went back recently just for like two days and because you're back so rarely, it's just so busy then. But it's just, yeah, it's home, in it? It's where you grow up and I'm looking forward to moving back at some stage. But That's uh, definitely on the agenda, is it? Yeah. But you feel like it's temporary being here? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like Cardiff and Wales, the UK is my home and that's where I grew up and uh, where I'd always move back to, for sure. Who knows where I'll be when 
when when I end. I mean, I'd like to stay involved in the sport, and obviously, being involved in the sport requires being over here in Europe as well. So, um, certainly, no plans to really go anywhere at the moment. Yeah. So tell me about the surrounding area. Which are the climbs that you like to sort of train on the most and test yourself on the most? Um, well, I mean, you've just got you've got so many, you've got so many climbs. I mean, the the one everyone knows is the Col de la Madone, yeah, um, which is literally on our doorstep. It takes us ten fifteen minutes to get to the bottom and half an hour to get up. Um, but that's that's probably the the most uh unobstructed climb you've got around here where you can just go and empty your legs if you want to do a really big effort yeah it's a perfect climb for that it is it is because of the gradient because of the length of it and it's quite quiet as well madone isn't it it is it is i mean it's you probably probably come across more cyclists than anything else on there yeah well a few goats i think you occasionally yeah. see on there a few goats sheep dogs but and the strange thing about Madone is that the races never go up there. <clears throat> it is strange. It is strange. I, I don't think I've ever, ever seen a race go up there. No. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's exciting with the start of the Tour de France coming here next year. Mm. Um, I think that's definitely going to be, going to be great for the area. Um, and cycling, I mean, it is just going to start the GC off with a bang, yeah. uh, which is quite unique as well. Let's have a look at last year, because you try the double whammy of the Giro and then the Tour. The yeah. Giro, well, why don't you talk us through the Giro? Because in terms of winning a Grand Tour, it was breathtaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it definitely was uh, one of my most spectacular Grand Tour wins. I think just in the way I did it and coming from such a deficit and turning the whole race around in the last few days. Um, but that's, that's the Giro d'Italia. I mean, that's been done, uh, done before at the Giro. I mean, it, it is the race. It's the race to do it. Yeah. If, 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 if you can't really see someone doing that at the Tour de France because it's a lot more controlled, it's uh, generally you don't have the same kind of... Um, uh, stages to be able to do that in, in the Tour de France yeah. but at the Giro I think it was just the perfect combination coming together on that day and being so far back I, I almost went into that stage with the attitude of I'm just going to go all out here all or nothing kind of thing yeah. and it, it, it was a gamble that, that worked. Was it liberating to be able to race like that rather than like you say in a more controlled manner? It was, it was pretty cool I mean it, it got me sort of all the sort of feelings of being a kid again, all the emotions of just bike racing at its best. You just take it on and go. Not really, it's not really that calculated. It's just a, it's just a big effort. And um, that was, it was pretty cool yeah. riding like that, I have to, have to admit. Because you know the things that people say, the people who didn't like Team Sky or might, you know, sort of take against you is like, oh, you know, they look, look at the numbers all the time and they control the race and that sort of thing. So... It was, a, it was a bit of a kind of riposte to them that you can just effectively ride by feel and, and push no, yourself I mean, to get away. I mean, people have been saying that for years, but I mean, I've won stages of Grand Tours in, in descents. I've attacked in crosswinds on the flats and gone with Sagan to the finish. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just no, no foundation for that. But you must enjoy it more when it's a bit more maraud- marauding like that, when you're descending Definitely. with Sagan and 
you know, who, who, who is such a great bike handler himself as well. You know, do you, do you dwell on those moments? Do you think back to those kind of bits of racing or once they're gone, are they gone? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, those, are, those are special moments for sure that you, you treasure as a bike rider where you remember sort of what you've done, what you've done in the sport. And, but at the same time, it's, it's a bit strange for me now because I'm still obviously in it in the moment and I'm still looking to try and achieve so much more. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to allow myself to sort of look back too much, if that makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm still more concentrated on what's to come and trying to get ready for the next tour, if I'm honest. Um, so I don't really, I'm not really someone who tends to look back that much. Let's look back one more time, though, <laughs> to the tour last year. And what a unique situation, really, in terms of two genuine GC contenders on the same team, Team Sky as it was then, now Team Ineos. What was it like being in the middle of that? I felt as if I was in an incredibly fortunate position to have G there because if, basically if he wasn't, we'd be playing catch-up to Dumoulin um, and I'd be left trying to explain to my team why we weren't leading the race. So, I mean, it was great that G, G was there. I, I mean, I was coming off doing four Grand Tours in a row, having won the first three. I was, I was nailed. Um, so it was, it was great that G was there to, to basically pick up the reins. And um, he, he rode a flawless race at the Tour. So in a way, that, that almost took the pressure off me a little bit um, and at least kept, kept the win in the team. So, I mean, it was... It was it was tough at the time. Obviously, I mean, the personal ambition. I wanted to be winning. I wanted to be there at my best, but but I wasn't. So I mean, the next best thing for me was to have a teammate in the yellow jersey. So yes, and G G filled that role. I just wanted one clean run at it, really, and just have a, a grand tour where nothing majorly went wrong, and just um, so I knew I could get into some top shape. It's just. Uh, not having that bad luck, basically. And then, yeah, it all came together last year. Pretty nice. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I mean, more than pretty nicely, it was it wasn't just a great win for you, it was one of the great wins in the tour in living memory because of the way you went about it. I mean winning on outdoors and then winning the GC overall is not a usual way of doing things. Some people will give their eye teeth just to win on outdoors, for yeah. example. So doing it that way was incredibly special. But the thing is that both those Grand Tours, the Giro and then the Tour, you weren't the outright leader. So was that an added sort of layer of, you know, not concern, but something to think about, I suppose? Yeah, it wasn't sort of uh, as straightforward, I guess, from the outside. But, you know, in, in my head, it was just about just get them in the best shape I can and then, you just race the race and, and whatever happens, happens. And if you've got the legs, you've got the legs and you're there in the final or or you don't, basically. And, um, yeah, it was just like a big sort of snowball effect. You know, I won that stage to La Rossier and then obviously, like you say, up to as the next day in the yellow jersey. And it was just like unreal. And it just sort of just grown in confidence through it. And it was just the best place I'd been in physically and mentally, I think, in my whole career was the mental strength that came from having a good start to the race what clinched it because your your physical ability has never been any doubt but in this instance the confidence that you got from how well it went on in the first week or two do you think that's what gave you the difference i think so i think the main thing for me was just getting through that first week unscathed and no mishaps and that was all good and then yeah the the two stage wins were were great for obviously the morale and the confidence and it's just a snowball from there I guess and uh, yeah I was just enjoying it which is kind of you think the closer you get to Paris when you're leading the, the more the pressure would build but it's kind of the opposite almost and just able to really soak it all up and really enjoy leading the race and being in that that form. You know people listening will be fascinated to know what it was like in the bubble of what was Team Sky at the time now Team Ineos of course um, what was it like it was, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you and Chris and everyone else were still getting along even though you were both going for the GC yeah well I wrote a book about it so you can buy my book <laughs> <laughs> why don't you sum it up for me <laughs> uh, it was uh, for me it was kind of just as, all, as it always was really me and Froomey were you know, there was no friction. It wasn't awkward. We were both still just honest and open how we wanted to race and what we wanted to do. And, um, like, you know, he said he wanted to attack at this stage or that stage and was fine. At least he was, yeah, we both just knew what we were doing, you know. It wasn't like we had our own little agenda and he didn't tell me something and then he went off and did it. And So, um, yeah, and the, the team, 
the morale was great amongst us all. And um, yeah, I think that was the main reason how that I won and Fumi was third as well, was the fact that there was no none of that animosity or any sort of awkwardness or anything. Do you find it easy to separate out the personal and the professional? I think you look at cycling in general as a sport, it's compared to any other, people are able to do that, you know, sacrifice themselves for other people on a daily basis. Yeah, like obviously that's a given, that's what happens in the sport, but I think um, for sure it was a big sort of hats off to, to Froomey for, you know, he'd won it four times, he'd, he's won six grand tours, he obviously wants to win his fifth and it was, uh, he could have quite easily sort of got a bit stroppy or, you know, thrown his toys out the pram and made it sort of a bit more awkward but um it was anything but definitely definitely and I, th- I think a lot of people sort of misunderstand that i mean they're, they're dead to it as oh surely i must be um there must be tension between us and because we're we're both racing for the same thing but it just isn't yeah. it doesn't exist and we're, we're good mates so um happy days as long as the victory stays in the team we we crack on and I think the wider population don't realise how long you've known each other because you were both at Barlow World together, weren't you, in the late 2000s? 100%, yeah. We did start on the same team together, uh, Team Barlow World, back in, back in Italy. Um, and, yeah, obviously, I've, we've always been... We both came to Sky in the same year, in 2010. Um, so we've followed each other's careers, successes, difficulties all along the way, and being a part of that what do you remember of him back then um yeah I, I think we were both completely different riders at that time i think we were both a fair bit fair bit chubbier less ambitious um just trying to just trying to make it really as a as a new professional in the sport still sort of have to pinch myself really because it's one of them it's not that i didn't think i could beat the guys there in just a race you know i, I thought i could um, or being equal um, but it's just the fact the race was the Tour de France and yeah it's a race that like I started watching as soon as I started cycling and what the reason I fell in love with the sport really and um, so to win it is just crazy especially when I look back at 2007 the first time I rode you know I was still well I just turned 21 track rider fat and just like just to get finish the race just took every ounce of energy I had so to go from that to winning like 11 years later was just mad if I'd won the tour last year it might have been an option to look at the welter and say right okay I've done three consecutively but let's try and do three consecutively in the same year yeah. that, that could have been the next definitely the next the next goal because you remember Oleg Tinkoff I think was offering a million euros to anybody who gave it a go I think anyone who, who managed to do it, it deserves not, the money. Not, not just not just gave it a go. I think you had to win win all three, which takes some doing, as yeah. I found out. What's it like now? Like you say, we're on the eve of the tour again. It's not far away. What are the final preparations like? And you meant, you certainly weren't fat when you were at Barlow World, but you know, what are the preparations like in terms of getting down to race weight? In terms of putting the finishing touches to your climbing and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think. The weight is the hardest bit yeah. by far. I find it, well, it's not easy, but I enjoy pushing myself and doing all the efforts and doing six hours a day. And there's just, 
that's that sadistic side of me that enjoys that but it's the restricting yourself not having what you want to eat all the time and, and no alcohol obviously and just that whole sort of yeah just monotonous like you don't starve yourself you still eat obviously and it's just eating the right things at the right times and but it's still super healthy stuff and um there's a lot of fasted riding do you go out having eaten nothing uh we we go out do like low carb rides where we have an omelet before going out so you know there's not much energy you get from an omelet so it's kind of uh, a bit like that but um it's just it makes it all worthwhile when you get a big result at the end of it and having done that now and i kind of know if i commit and do tick all the boxes then at least i'm in the best shape i can be and you know you could go to the tour this year i could end up 11th you know you just there's just no saying how good everyone else is going to be but as long as i'm in the best shape then that's all i can do we're sat here on kickers how has the training gone over the past few months because i know you vary i know there's there's quite a bit of indoor time looking at the numbers and in particular getting ready for time trialing and that sort of thing so how has it gone good i think it's uh i always had a big off season a lot bigger than normal <laughs> almost twice the time off i normally have and no regrets though no no i was kind of you, you don't win the tour every day do you so you've got to enjoy it and make the most of it i certainly did that but um yeah from sort of well, it's just progressively got more and more serious and uh yeah, fully on it since well January really and um, yeah it was nice to get a little podium result in, in Romandy that was a nice little boost to for the confidence really after you know a lot of hard work to to get up there again so um, yeah certainly improving and certainly feel like I'm on track How would you say the preparation this year has gone so far compared to previous years when you've won? I think it's it's very it's a very similar sort of position that I'm in now I think I started off the season maybe a bit eager over in Colombia, um, did a little bit too much soon and, and had to back off, had to back off, I got sick um, and um, yeah, I, th- I think now because of that I, I had to start, almost draw a line, start again and I've had just a steady build up now but I think having this one goal, the Tour de France, being ready for the Tour de France has been really good for me in a way, I think it's it's kept me a lot fresher and it just allowed me just to just to crack on and do what I need to do to be ready for July. How does it feel being in a completely different colour now under the colours of Team Ineos rather than Sky? You've gone from blue to red. It is strange it's kind of it's more watching other races though when I was watching uh, the finishes in Yorkshire it's kind of like you forget which colour we were in you know. Um, yeah I like the red as well it's kind of a bit like Wales so. Gee really good to see you again looking in good form i'm melting here on someone else's time trial bike (laughs) have a great tour thanks chris lovely to talk to you thanks for well we didn't ride on them but riding around or near your home roads on the kicker really appreciate it (laughs) nice one cheers hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.